Welcome to Gender Meowster Podcast Network. Genderful is a talk show featuring non-binary and trans folks discussing various topics and special interests. We kindly remind our listeners that no person is a monolith of identities. All opinions are the speaker's own. This show airs live on Twitch at twitch.tv forward slash gender meowster and VODs with show notes can also be found on YouTube. a couple of notes that I guess I'll also say. So we, since this, the topic of this stream is Two-Spirit, we also have for this stream in particular, exclamation point Two-Spirit, which is one of those 14 or 15 tags that is about Two-Spirit. So since today's topic is Two-Spirit, a direct action you can take that costs zero dollars is to go upvote this feature request on Twitch. Because indigenous folks should be able to have their gender identity portrayed on the internet as well. So I think that's one of the future requests that I put in when we were doing that comparison the other day. Hi, Scotty. Welcome in. Hey, how's it going? It's been a day. It's been a day. Started off with the transformer blowing in my neighborhood. So I didn't yeah. have power and thought I was going to have to stream at my friend's house. But, but then you didn't. Yeah. Power came I'm... back on as I was walking out the door. So here I am. <laughs> For those listening to this later, they're not going to get a chance to see your magnificent hair. Would you like to tell us about your hairdo that's going on here? So my hair is, it's, you can't see both sides being shaved. And I don't want to take off my headphones to show it off to, to the people who are currently watching and will watch on YouTube. But it's this whole rainbow mohawk that, and it's like a, almost a foot long mohawk that my hairstylist did for me. You can find her on TikTok and Instagram as Sea Green Hair. That's C like the body of water, S-E-A, green, G-R-E-E-N-E, hair, like hair, H-A-I-R. So she's a local stylist that I absolutely love. She was friends with my partner in high school. She's been doing his hair for years. She started doing my hair when I started wanting to have bright, colorful mohawks again. Cool. I love her to bits and pieces. And if you want to support an absolutely fantastic bisexual artist, she is the person to follow on Instagram and Twitch. Or t- Instagram and TikTok, not Twitch. But yeah, she specializes in vibrance. And uh, you can find pictures of and videos of my hair on uh, those websites, a couple of different styles that she's done for me. That's so wonderful. I have put that information in the show notes. So as an aside, anyone listening or watching this later, it'll be in the notes below. Woohoo. Yeah. Yay. (laughs) So awesome. You also have a lot of Bulbasaurs with you. And I'm noticing my green screen is clipping all of their little bulbs into the background. So I'm going to see if I can. Oh, no. That's so funny. That's a leftover filter. They Um, can have non-binary bulbs. (laughs) That's so fun. (laughs) We'll just hide that filter for now. It's fine. That's so fun. There we go. Before we jump into the the question I'm already seeing in the chat, which is what is Two-Spirit? I wonder if you would just tell us a little bit about yourself. All right. A little bit about myself is going to be hard because my life has been very interesting and my life experience has been really extensive for someone as young as I am. I'm almost 30, but I've had enough life experiences to fill a novel already. I am 
a two-spirit trans mask. I use he, him pronouns. I live in the Midwest, which is not the most fun all the time. The city that I live in is actually really accepting, and it's not hard to figure out which city I live in. There's a massive hint in my background. So anybody who's familiar with my area, oh, there's also a massive hint right here. So anybody who's familiar with my area will be able to figure it out easy. And I'm not fussed about that. It's a big city. But growing up was really hard for me as a brown, queer, neurodivergent kid who didn't know that he was queer or neurodivergent. But overall, who I am is a writer and generally creative individual who has been through a really rough life and has managed to crawl out of that. And that's what I always want to embody in everything I do is that it doesn't matter how bad things are and how hard it's going to be to get out of it and get better, you can always get better. That's who I am as the person that says that even if it's hard, you're not alone. Somebody else has been through this. You can get out of it. I like that. Is there uh, heritage stuff that you would like to share? I am Native American. It's, I believe, exclusively on my mother's side. My mother is in the chat right now. Hi, mom. And we are, we're Mexican. Specifically, we are, I think most recently, we're Peripacha. But being Mexican, it's really hard as indigenous Mexicans to not be a lot of everything. So we're also tech, my mishtek. Indigenous Mexicans tend to be a little bit of everything. We intermingled very heavily, both pre and post colonization. And then as far as native nations that are in the United States, we are Diné. I believe that was my great grandmother. My mom could probably correct me on that. Diné being what the Navajo call ourselves. Mm-hmm. I am obviously fairly light-skinned for somebody of that descent. My father was white. I don't tend to identify very heavily with the white experience, though. I have been... I've seen my mother be targeted by racist fetishism. I have been targeted by racist fetishism and just racism in general throughout my life. Mm -hmm. So it's really hard for me to say, oh yeah, my dad was white, so I am mixed white because white people have never really accepted me. Just like on the whole. At the same time, it's been really hard to say, yeah, I'm also Mexican because Mexican people look at me and go, you're too pale to be Mexican. And I'm like, yeah. what do you want from me? <laughs> I'm not too pale. My body's just been colonized by white people. Basically. <laughs> I love my dad. He was an absolutely fantastic man. But it is what it is. And then, not bloodline, but... My stepfather was also Native American. God, I don't remember what nation he was from. My mother could probably correct me, but I want to say he was Sioux. I don't remember for sure, though. It's been a while since we talked about that. So there's both my own roots as a Native person and the sort of vague cultural roots that I got from my stepdad as well, which if he were a card-carrying member of his nation, 
I would probably like technically legally be considered a part of that nation that tends to be part of how some not all native nations do the whole blood quantum thing is if you're legally a member of this family sometimes you are also a part of the nation blood quantum is a whole other bag of worms yeah we um... my mother's in the chat correcting me like i asked her to my stepfather was iroquois however it's pronounced (laughs) i'm not an expert and that's yeah there's a lot that's been going on in canada in particular with very unfortunate sad indigenous news lately it's a whole thing and it just goes to show you how truly fucked up it is the way indigenous people in the Americas have been treated that we're still finding literal bodies yep. now, today. Yep. It's absolutely heartbreaking. But yeah. But one of the cool things that I think is important to remind people of is indigenous folks are still here and still alive oh, yeah, still doing things are. that like people who are indigenous are it's not just a historical memory it's a yeah no um, tradition that still is kicking around yeah being awesome. colonizers tried real hard to kill us out but most of us are still here we're not as populous as we were before mm-hmm. but we're still here we're still practicing our beliefs connecting with our cultures reconnecting as the case may be there's this huge thing that I have to deal with. I play an MMO called The Secret World, or it's Secret World Legends now. And one of the first dungeons that you get into in group content in that game is called Darkness War. Darkness War pits you, the players, against a bunch of quote-unquote Mayans. And the original devs who developed that game clearly did not quite understand that Maya people still exist and thrive and practice their culture and beliefs in the Yucatan Peninsula and in Guatemala, mostly. There are a few other areas that that the Maya live, but they, they clearly didn't realize the Maya aren't dead. We're still out there. We're still around because they just, it's not great. Yeah. <laughs> that whole dungeon is a trip. Wow. And pe- white people in particular have been appropriating indigenous culture for costumes and settings for a long time yeah costumes settings cultural practices the whole pagan movement just steals from every culture it can including native cultures Mm -hmm. yeah i think on that particular topic of paganism and indigenous spiritual practices there is some cultural exchange that i've seen in some pagan communities which so the difference between cultural appropriation and cultural exchange is how many people are involved if it's one side of the identity that's involved it's appropriation right white people taking indigenous people's ceremonial headdresses and things to wear for a halloween costume or whatever other racist bullshit people do but on the other hand if like indigenous people and pagans who are not indigenous are doing ritual together and sharing space and having that exchange it's a completely different vibe because there is the sharing that happens i have been really lucky to be at a couple of those rituals myself and it's been really beautiful to um, oh yeah hear the different but similar perspectives on tending the land and who should own that land indigenous people should own all the land everyone 
indigenous people should own all the land. Here's the thing is that we don't strictly want to own the land. Right. That's they should tend a capitalist the land. term that we've had to yeah. appropriate yeah. so that people will understand what we're saying when we talk about land back. We don't want to own the land. Right. We are of the land. The land owns us. Yes. We're totally. supposed to take care of the land because the land is our mother, effectively. Totally That's right. the whole idea behind Native American spiritualism for pretty much every nation is that we are the children of the land and the sky and the water. Mm -hmm. We're supposed to take care of all of that. Yeah. And capitalism forces us to adopt terms such as we're supposed to own the land so that we can make people understand what we actually want, mm -hmm. which is just for the land to be taken care of. Like the forest fires in California that happened recently mm -hmm. could have been avoided if people just listened to the native people native to that area yep. who ha were telling them exactly how to tend the forests so that forest fires wouldn't break out like that. That's right. It's really not that hard. It's not. We have thousands and thousands of years of experience tending the lands of the Americas that white people don't have. <laughs> Yep. And the other big thing is that it's not even, oh, it's because we're new here, comparatively, because Black people who arrived against their will yep. learned to forage the way that Native people would. Mm -hmm. And there's one of the things that I've been learning watching Black TikTokers and YouTubers and whatnot is that there is actually a very strong culture of foraging for food in Black American you know history mm -hmm. to supplement what little they were given on plantations and whatnot yeah. so that they would actually have enough to eat and to feed their children. Mm -hmm. And they like, yes, they taught themselves to do that. Some of them were taught by native people as well, because unfortunately, yes, some black people were owned by some black slaves were owned by native people and native tribes. And that is a reality that has to be recognized if we're going to talk about any of that. But like, White people have no excuse for not listening to Native people and tending the land properly because Black people would listen to Native people and tend the land properly. Yep. Like, it's not that hard to just listen to your fellow human being when we say, hey, we have thousands of years of experience on this land. We know how to take care of these forests and these plains and these rivers. If you would just do what we're suggesting you do instead of stripping the land of its resources for your short-term short monetary gain. Yeah. I agree with you on the fuck capitalism. <laughs> There's a lot that we could talk about. We want to make sure folks catch the beginning of that. For those who don't know what Two-Spirit is, could, would you kindly take a moment and explain to us what Two-Spirit is? Who should use the phrase or identity Two-Spirit? Who should not? First and foremost, I want to say that Two-Spirit is a like big, broad identity, and it's still pretty hotly contested by various people within the Native community. Yeah. But one thing that everyone agrees on is that only Native people, like to North America specifically, Turtle Island Natives, should be using the term Two-Spirit. And that's from Canada down through Central America. That's Turtle Island. So... Two-Spirit Two Spirit was coined in 1990 in Winnipeg. You can find records of that all over the internet. It's on Wikipedia. There are a couple of articles about Two-Spirit where you can find information about this queer 
I think it was called a gay and lesbian convention at the time, but this queer convention where they talked about this and where the Native community came together and decided we need this term to separate ourselves from white queer people. Because here's the really big thing. Being Native and queer is inherently different from being white and queer because white queer people have pretty much in America have always lived under this Western idea of a gender binary and of straightness being the norm. Whereas native queer people, before we were invaded and colonized, we didn't have that. It's different for every tribe, every nation, but two genders was basically not a thing for any of us. There are some nations that didn't really have any genders, really. There are some that had three or four. It's different for every group, and they all have their own terms for that. Some of those terms have been lost due to colonization. Other nations still have their unique terms for their various genders and sexualities. Two-spirit is a catch-all for those genders that don't really align with male and female, which in my opinion, is every Native gender doesn't really align with the Western idea of male and female, which is why my identity is so complicated and why I have such a hard time explaining it specifically to white people. Because, yeah, I call myself a man, but man to me means something a little bit left of what it means to most folks who understand the gender binary. Like, it it doesn't fit in there very neatly and nicely. It's something completely separate because I specifically identify as whatever I should be according to my various cultures in my ancestral background. And I don't know what that is because, because I, I haven't fully reconnected with my heritage as a Diné. That's something that was, you know, made known to us not that long ago it was like a little over a year ago now Mm -hmm. and i haven't due due to the pandemic i haven't had a chance to visit my local native support center and and talk to them figure out Mm -hmm. what that's going to mean for me in particular and resources for connecting with my maya heritage and my baripacha heritage are scarce because those nations aren't as represented online or in the United States, flat out. And unless I can actually go to the regions where these nations still exist, and unless I can get my Spanish back to what it was in high school so that I can at least have a chance of interacting with these people in my nations and talking to them and figuring out what our culture is and what it was before colonization, I'm never going to know what my people would have considered me. Mm -hmm. So I say I'm a man, but I don't really have a word for my gender. And that's Mm -hmm. what Two-Spirit is for, is to fill in that stopgap. And there's some contention there. There are a lot of Native people who say, no, Two-Spirit is something that only the elders of your nation can tell you. But there's been this movement lately in Native millennial and Gen Z groups of claiming two-spirit for our own, for those of us who are not cisgender. Mm-hmm. And there, there are also some non-straight Native people who are claiming two-spirit for their own, but two-spirit is really supposed to embody the, the gender aspect of it, from my understanding. 
because it's the idea as it's described in a colonized world is that you have aspects of both genders inside of you, which doesn't really work out when you look back at the fact that we didn't have strictly male and female back then mm-hmm. before before we were colonized. But the I like the most agreed upon concept at this point is that if you want to identify as two spirit or if you're going to identify as two-spirit, one, you have to be a native of North America. So again, from Canada down to the southern tip of Central America, that's Turtle Island is just North America. So you have to be a Turtle Island native and you have to not be cisgender. Like you have to look at your gender and really think about it and figure out who you are and, and what you are in terms of that. And if you are cisgender, like strictly cisgender, then you're not two-spirit. And that's like, this isn't going to be a perfect explanation. Like I said, it's still contested. It's still something that we're developing because two-spirit is such a new term. It's 2021. So that term is only 30 years old. It's barely older than I am. Mm -hmm. It's such a new term. And we're still figuring out what it means. But- that seems to be the current general consensus is you are two-spirit if you are a Turtle Island native and you are not cisgender. Like if your relationship with your gender is not the colonization Western binary gender. Yeah. We've had another indigenous guest on before to speak a bit about this, Brooklyn Michelle. And she is also white. I don't know if you identify as white passing. She is white passing. And so spoke about having some feelings about being light skinned and also spoke about how the gender binary is so, is so white and so Western. (laughs) It's it's so white and Western because, and it's not even, (laughs) it's origins aren't even strictly white and Western. It's origins are Christian. Yeah. After super colonizing white. Yeah. Um, Like, good God, forever. <laughs> yeah, I could, I have, and could just ramble about that for hours on end. But yeah, no, it's. I like to say that I identify as white passing until I open my mouth. Mm. Frankly, I should barely count as that because when I go out, I'm almost always wearing this vest, which I've got covered in um, native symbolism anywhere that I can put it, and. My city flag is the symbol right here is the Navajo symbol for a permanent home. So Mm. everything about my life is like entrenched in these native beliefs. The I've got this little patch on my vest that is a representation of the keeper of the plains. Mm. The keeper of the plains is this 40 foot tall brass statue here in my hometown. And again, I'm doxing myself. I don't really care that much. It's a huge city. You're never going to find me. <laughs> I, but it's this 40-foot tall brass statue that was made by a local Native artist. He was a Comanche Kiowa artist named Black Bear Bozen. And the Keeper of the Plains was set up as, like, he was built to be a symbol of protection for the city. And he stands roughly in the center of the city where he is surrounded by air ground, water, and fire, 
we have a ring of fire pits around him that we light every night at sunset so that he's surrounded by all four elements. He faces almost due east so that he is usually facing the rising sun properly. And he stands with his hands outstretched towards the sun in offering and worship. And most importantly, he stands on sacred native ground that is currently owned by the local native support center, which is also built on sacred native ground. And the plaza around him has a bunch of walls set up with information on each of them about the local native nations, the Wichita and the Kansa, as well as a few others that I I don't remember because unfortunately I don't have all this memorized. And also the general history of Native Americans in the United States. Talks extensively about the Trail of Tears. It explains the medicine wheel and it has Native music playing over the speakers 24-7. And that point in the city is just one of my absolute favorite places in the world. And specifically, the Keeper of the Plains is the big reason that I'm not sure I'll ever be able to move away from this city. Because hmm. I just always want to be able to go visit the Keeper whenever I'm feeling disconnected or lost. It's almost a spiritual center point for me, if that makes any sense. So, like, this city has honestly been really great about supporting local natives. No city's perfect. Everyone could do more. But where I live, I feel like I have the right to be Native and be loud and angry about it. So, like I said, I tend to identify as white passing until I open my mouth. Because as soon as I open my mouth, I am saying something about my Mexican family or about how I'm Native or or something. And frankly, the way I dress doesn't help. I, I love to purchase shirts from Native artists and Native companies. I got this one that I'm wearing today, this Thunder Toward the Storm with a bison in a thunderstorm um, on Threadless from the Walking Stick Design Company. So you, you can look that up on Threadless if you're interested in supporting some Native artists. But yeah, like, it's... A whole thing for me. I'm very loud and out about being brown, even if I don't always strictly physically look brown. I love that. And it's Pride Month this month, so there's a lot of things to be proud about. There's oh yeah, gender, sexuality, race, identities, disability. Specific, oh yeah, it's, specifically it's this month so is much. supposed to be about the LGBTQ2S plus. Folks, IA, got to get yeah, all the letters in there. But at the same time, for so many of us, our, our autism, our ADHD, our disability, our, our race affects and intersects with our gender and our sexuality Absolutely. so heavily that it's all one and the same. Totally. Like, I, I, I don't know how interested I would have been in sitting down and thinking about my gender if I weren't autistic. I don't know if I would have stopped and thought, okay, how am I different from everyone else? Is it this? Is it that? Is it my gender? Is it, what is it? Mm -hmm. Because if I were neurotypical, I I just don't know if I would have ever had that thought that, oh, I'm different from everyone else somehow. How am I different? I might have just thought I need to fall in line and pretend to be this perfect little straight white girl. 
because I, I was pretending to be white in elementary school and middle school. Like I was so terrified of everyone around me being just rude and racist at me because they were racist at the visibly brown Filipino kid in my class. Mm-hmm. They were racist at the visibly Vietnamese girl in my class. Like, I didn't want to be a target of that. And at the time, I absolutely was white passing because I was just letting everybody think I was white because it was safer for me, it felt. And eventually, I got so angry and so fed up with everyone being racist that I started, I, I became that angry Mexican kid. Mm-hmm because I started fighting back against everybody's bullshit. I wouldn't let them keep doing it. I wouldn't let them keep degrading Mexicans around me because I was Mexican. And uh, I didn't have a lot of friends before that anyway. I had even less after I started fighting back. But like, it's a whole thing. Like that all ties into each aspect of your identity ties into each other everything's intertwined. You're not this separate part and this separate part. You're these threads woven together into a tapestry. It all affects every other aspect of you. Yeah. So honestly, yeah, if you're not queer, but you're disabled, autistic, whatever, then Pride Month isn't strictly about you. But if you're queer, it's about you and your disability, your autism, your race, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So one of the cues in LGBTQ, QIA2S plus is questioning. And something that's been happening a lot in my community lately, and I think I've heard whisperings of hap- something similar happening in yours, is we have what I like to call eggs hatching. So people realizing they're trans, realizing they're non-binary. Yeah. And so I'm curious about how that might work with people realizing they're indigenous and realizing they want to decolonize themselves so, and find their roots and do all of those things. It's really funny to me ask that because Casey, who not only came out as non-binary and then more feminine after we'd been friends for a little while and has talked about that with me, she also asked me a while back, what does Métis status mean? Because she's in Canada and she has Métis status. And I'm like, it means that you have some native ancestry. And I had to do a quick Google on that to make sure that I was correct about what it meant. Mm -hmm. But that is what Métis status means. She's oh, so I'm native? And I'm like, maybe. Before you can really call yourself native. And obviously I don't want to be a gatekeeper. But I also don't want to let any native person unintentionally tokenize themselves. So I'm trying to, what I say here and now, and when I say it, it's not meant to discourage anybody who might have native ancestry from ever identifying as native. It's meant to encourage you to track down your native roots and do your research before you identify as native so that you don't tokenize yourself and speak over other native people. So if you think that you might be native, if anybody thinks they might be native, you should, you probably have a local native support center. Google that, look for it. Almost everyone has, everyone in the United States and Canada should have one somewhere near them. Now may still not be the best time to visit, but 
once you're vaccinated, once everything's roughly safe to go visit again, go out there, start talking to them about it. Almost every single one of those places has a genealogy expert on hand who can help you figure out where in your lineage this native person is, what nation you come from, potentially what your status is. Blood quantum, again, is a whole other bag of worms. And I have a whole separate rant on that I don't necessarily want to get into today. But you may qualify as native, like, legally as well. And looking into that can be a great and reaffirming thing for people. Talk to an expert at one of these local native support centers. Figure out what nation you belong to. And again, the local native support center is probably going to be the best place to do your research on your culture's beliefs and culture and everything so that you can start figuring out what it means to you and what it means for you how you want to incorporate that into your life if you want to. And once you've started doing that, that's what we call reconnecting to your native roots. Once you've started doing that's when you should start considering whether or not you want to call yourself native and like exude that because it's really easy for people to take a blood test and go, oh, I'm a 16th Cherokee. And okay, you might be Cherokee, but are you Cherokee? Like in your heart and soul? Mm -hmm. Do you know what that means? You know what it says about you when you say you're Cherokee? Or do you just want that gotcha card so that you can be like, oh, I'm fine with native mascots because I'm Cherokee. Yeah. Which like, is BS. For the autistic people yeah. who didn't pick up on the sarcasm, that was- For sarcastic. <laughs> we should not have any um, sports mascots that are- indigenous people no we shouldn't because then we're just like, playing defeating indigenous people all over the place and that's super gross but yeah it's <laughs> awful like there are a couple of instances where i feel like it can be gotten away with like the kansas city chiefs for example they don't have a mascot who is a native person i think their last mascot was a horse mm -hmm. and on top of that like they're just the chiefs in and of itself is not strictly the most offensive thing it's not like the Braves or, <clears throat> God's forbid, the Redskins. Yeah. Is there a better name for the team? Probably. But they're not high on my priority list. What is high on my priority list with the Chiefs is their war cry chant. Mm. I have a problem with that because it's the stereotypical native waving your hand over your mouth shouting, oh, 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 oh. And that's bad. That's super racist. It just, it takes us and breaks us down into that savage stereotype, the, the native savage. And I just can't, I can't deal with that. That's, ah. Uh, yeah. So many things I could ask you about. But since we are both fans of tabletop games, I would love to talk about tabletop a little bit. The question I have here is, have you ever written a two-spirit tabletop role-playing game character? If so, can you tell us about them? So I've had two. The first one was for a World of Darkness game that my brother ran. Mm -hmm. And I say because of this character, they the World of Darkness world that my brother runs is in a world where the Americas were never colonized and Africa was never colonized. Awesome. So 
Two-Spirit isn't a term that this character would ever have used for themselves. I don't know what it would have been, though. So they were a Maya character named Ikal, which, if I remember correctly, roughly means spirit in Yucatec Maya, I think. It's been a long time. And, and they were my first real... I wouldn't say my first real exploration of my gender, but my first real exploration of my gender in terms of being Native. More recently, though, is the explicitly two-spirit Dene character that I wrote for... He's an NPC in a World of Darkness game that I ran recently. Mm -hmm. He was originally just vaguely developed, just a teacher who ran a high school drama club and happened to be gay and Navajo. And the relationship that he had with one of the player characters ended up developing beyond that sort of background point. So I had to flesh him out. And as I was fleshing him out, I ended up making him, this had been a thought in the back of my head when I first created him, but I ended up deciding to fully commit to making him be uh, Danae and Two-Spirit. So he's a trans mask and like very obviously Danae in everything he does and every thing he celebrates. He doesn't do any of the national holidays because almost all of them are Christian. And he doesn't, obviously doesn't celebrate the 4th of July because why would he celebrate this country that shouldn't even strictly be here? Or Thanksgiving. Um, Yeah. Why would he celebrate Thanksgiving? What the fuck? Or Columbus Day. Um, Yeah. Fuck Columbus Day. Honestly, (laughs) good gods. So he was my really big I didn't really start thinking that I might be two-spirit until I started writing this character his name is Jackson and I did a bunch of research on uh, Danae naming conventions so that I could figure out what his name what his given name was his Navajo name that he would use with his family with his nation when he was born what what his given name was and also what might have been done when he realized that he wasn't a girl Mm -hmm. when he came out and how they might have renamed him. And I don't feel super comfortable talking about that on stream because that's a very, like, naming conventions in Native nations tend to be a very special thing, very particular. And that kind of falls in with Native spiritual beliefs, which are generally a closed practice. Yeah. So I I don't want to talk too much about that whole thing. But suffice to say, because of Jackson, I ended up putting a whole lot of work and research into what Two-Spirit is, what Two-Spirit means, how Two-Spirit is considered in uh, Diné culture. And that was what really got me thinking that's right. I'm native. Me. I'm native. I can use the term two-spirit if I want to. And it's taken me a long time to, it took me a long time to get used to calling myself native because when I was growing up, Mexicans weren't considered native. Mm-hmm. Like they, they were a separate category. We, we weren't the same thing. And it took me a long time to get used to know Mexicans are also native to the Americas. Native American just means native to the Americas. And beyond that, obviously, Mexicans are part of Turtle Island, which even if for some reason your definition of Native American only includes North America, 
that's us. Mm -hmm. So after how long it took me to get used to the idea that I could call myself native because I'm Mexican. And then after finding out that I'm also Diné, it took me ages to, to get it through my head that I am allowed to call myself Two-Spirit. And when people make positivity posts on Twitter and Tumblr about Two-Spirit people, those are also about me. I'm Two-Spirit. And like I said, Jackson, I've got art of him in my background here. It's hard to see because he's small. But Jackson was really my first big step toward doing that, toward telling myself that I'm allowed to use this term for me. I love that. So there is a tabletop game that just got kickstarted and was wildly successful called Coyote and Crow TTRPG. Do you have any anything you would like to say about that? So I'm really excited about Coyote and Crow. I can't wait to get my hands on it. I think the day it launched, I emailed them like, hey, do you have a quick start guide or anything that I can take a look at? I would really love to run a one shot of this or something while the Kickstarter is happening. And that, that like they just took off. They were so wildly busy that they couldn't mm -hmm. get back to me about that, basically. They did respond to me, obviously, and said that they were super busy and couldn't coordinate anything with me at the time because that Kickstarter just took off absolutely wildly. It was so cool to see. But I do have in the plans for Compass production that at some point I'm going to start a Coyote and Crow campaign for just a group of native people. Now, Coyote and Crow is not exclusive to native people. You don't have to be native to play it. I just specifically want to run one for just native people. Yeah. But one of the things that I also asked in the comments on one of their posts was, or I think it was just the comments for the Kickstarter page itself, was whether or not, it was two things, whether or not they were going to have anything in the lore or mechanics to support the creation of two-spirit characters nice. and whether or not they were going to have anything in lore or mechanics to support the creation of disabled characters. And I did get a yes on both counts. That is something that is in the book. That's so And I'm, I'm just so excited for it. I can't wait for Coyote and Crow to come out. I'm really stoked to, to get my hands on that game and read through it and start playing and running it. Because um, I, I just... A few years ago, Miguel Espinosa kickstarted Nawal, which is done, finally. He had a few complications that slowed down the process, but it's done finally. And I'm super excited that I have my hands on it and I can run it for a Mexican group. And it's a similar experience. Nawal was the first tabletop game that I saw that was so inherently Mexican and so anti-colonialist. And Coyote and Crow steps into that same role for just natives in general. It's just inherently at its core, Native American and anti-colonialist. And I'm so stoked to be seeing so many tabletop games that are geared towards these specific marginalized racial identities. Cause like you've got Into the Motherlands that's on Kickstarter right now, that's made specifically by and primarily for black gamers which is fantastic. It's been so cool to see these Afrofuturist and Native Futurist games be being developed and made so that we have as much representation, or at least we're getting there, as white people in gaming. I love it. 
it makes me so happy, like just beyond words. That's so great. So the the Mexican one, I heard the wall, but I think I missed a word. It's just Nawal, N-A-H-U-A-L. And Nawal is a, a Nahuatl word for sorcerer or they were magicians that could shapeshift. So the core concept of the game is that you are a native Mexican shapeshifting sorcerer and you hunt angels who were brought over by the colonizers. Because we don't have angels in our lore. Yeah. We didn't have angels until the Catholic Church set up. Yeah. So angels are predators in this lore and I love it. So yeah, in Nawal, you hunt and kill angels and sell their parts for magic stuff. And I think Into the Motherlands also has a stream on Twitch. Yes, they do. It's got Tanya, who I absolutely love, is one of the big people who like pushed it. I believe B. Dave, Wal- B. Dave Walters is involved. And Gabe James Games is, I believe, his username. Tear, which is Tanya's yes. thing. Okay. Cypher of Tear is Tanya. I think it's on hers, yeah. But yeah, I've been following Tanya for several years now since Dragon Age stuff happened with Inquisition. And it's been really cool interacting with her and watching her streaming platform develop and get bigger and bigger. But yeah, it's yeah, it's all just really cool. I'm really excited about everything happening with gamers of color being more recognized and represented in tabletop specifically. I agree. Representation is so great. When, I remember so when the much. when the combat wheelchair came out that Sarah made, everyone was so excited. Oh, yeah. And there's always pushback to these people being, you know, pissy about, oh, we don't need this. How could somebody in a wheelchair ever participate in a fight or be capable like other adventurers? Why do we need this? What's the point of it? And the point of it is that tabletop games are about people coming together and building a world and a story with each other. And if you're excluding people based on physical ability, race, gender, sexuality, you're ignoring what tabletop is about. Tabletop shouldn't just be for straight white men who, you know, yeah, able-bodied, neurotypical, (laughs) cisgender, everything. It, it it shouldn't just be for them. It should be for everyone. Like, it's tabletop games should be open to everyone. And if you aren't represented, then they're not actually open to everyone. If the community is hostile towards you, they're not actually open to everyone. So they should just be open to everyone. People should just stop being dicks. Yeah, (laughs) Um, totally. (laughs) Just be nice to other people. Remember that they're also human. They have thoughts and feelings and emotions. And it doesn't matter what someone identifies as, what is an aspect of someone's, you know, life. They still matter. They're still worthy. They're still worth something. Because we're all people in the end. Various aspects of our identity should not be used to divide us. They should be used to tie us together. Saying that I'm Mexican should help me find more Mexicans, not be used by white people to go, you don't belong here. It's really that simple. These aspects of our identity, they are so crucial because our differences are what make us stronger. Mm -hmm. And that's basically what it boils down to is 
it shouldn't matter who you are, what you are, what you believe. We're all people in the end. Yeah. So just a process check-in right quick. We had initially considered to do a one-hour stream, and it's looking, I don't know if the rad folks at Compass Rose have figured out a one-shot to run today. No. So are you open to talking for longer than an hour? How are your spoons? I don't want to assume you have the energy to just keep going magically. I'm honestly pretty good to keep going if you're doing all right, too. I know it's yep. not been the best day for you yet. <laughs> um, it's okay. I had a nap. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> good. I'm glad you got that nap. I love naps. Um, but yeah, I'm good to keep talking. I'm going to poke Casey real quick and see if she's figured out anything to do or if someone else is around. Okay. And while you're doing a poke, I will say a couple words. So... There are these three Indigenous and BIPOC tabletop role-playing games that we just chatted about. I have plunked the links in the chat. They will also be in the show notes. So if you all would like to go buy them with your money, support Indigenous content creators. Go give those people your money. That is one thing you can do. Another thing that you can do right this second is go follow and subscribe to Compass Rose Productions which is the streaming channel that Scott comes to us from and is an entire community of folks. Would you like to tell us a little more about Compass Rose Productions? So Compass Rose Productions, our big tagline is that we write happy endings for people who don't normally get them. Anywhere that we have a little more room to talk about that, we usually expound upon the fact that people who don't usually get them means people like us, queer people, disabled people of color. Because I'm native, We've got somebody else in the group who is exploring her native heritage. Almost everyone in the group is trans or non-binary. It's wild. I think at this point we have one person who identifies as cis left in our group of seven, eight people. Seven people. I can count. It's seven. And everyone's queer. We're, we're all some flavor of queer. And it's... Our work is primarily for queer people and people of color and disabled people, but it's meant to be something that tells stories about the people, not about the people being queer or disabled or people of color, but about the people being. So generally the stories that we tell in our tabletop games. I'm writing an, an interactive fiction novel. We have a narrative podcast that we're figuring out. Generally, these stories are not going to be about being queer or about being disabled. They're going to be about people who are queer, disabled, people of color. That's our big focus. I can tell you the, the interactive novel I'm writing, basically none of the characters that are not like contingent upon the choices the player makes are white. They're all brown. Because that's the story I want to tell. I want to tell a story about brown people, mm -hmm. uh, most of whom are queer. And it's the narrative podcast that we have slowly in the works. If I can get the voice actors together for it, I want the entire cast, which is it's only three people, to be brown. Mm -hmm. And I need to put out a casting call eventually. We're running into the hiccup of we don't have enough money coming in to pay people, though. So I'm not sure how to go about that respectfully, like yeah. respecting of people's time, because I don't want to just 
not pay people, but we also literally just don't have the money to pay people right now. Yeah. Um, Speaking of that, what is the best way to give Compass Rose Productions money? Because it's probably not subs and bits. Is there a Ko-Fi? Is there a PayPal? Is there a... We don't... Like, we do have a pay? PayPal. We don't have any donation pages set up yet still. Okay. We haven't felt right setting up donation pages yet. So actually right now the best way is Twitch subscriptions. That's where we get most of our money for the current like time is people subscribing to us on Twitch, either through Prime subs or the standard paid Twitch subscription. And probably in the next year, we were trying to get it at the beginning of this year. We realized we just don't quite have enough content for it yet. Probably within the next year, we're going to set up a Patreon so that that will become the best place to help support us and help fund us continuing to make things. But yeah, it's... Twitch subscriptions are currently the best way to do that. Okay. Hopefully, hopefully we can get some money rolling in in the near future so that I can hire some folks to come voice these characters that I want for this narrative podcast. If not, I'll have to rework the cast and it'll be fine. As a as an aside, I am happy to quote retweet and post in my server and at everyone about a casting call when you do that. That is a very easy mutual direct aid thing that I can do. Oh yeah. And I would love to do that. And we've been absolutely loving sharing your stuff and being shared by you. It's been a lot of fun to build this networking moment and to make friends. Yeah. I love that of all people to reach out to me to participate in some pride thing you all are doing this month at some point. It was Logan who was on the show. I think that was a week ago, maybe two. Recently. <laughs> it was on the show recently. I think it was two episodes ago. Yeah. It's so fun. What a queer tabletop indie, queer indie tabletop community is so great. I love us. Yeah. We're so wholesome and yeah. great. <laughs> and Logan's been like the biggest one helping to push us further and further in, in the indie tabletop community, just because he's an indie tabletop developer. So he's got those connections and has shared them with us so that we've been able to branch out a little bit more than we previously had been. Mm -hmm. And I've been friends with Logan for a few years now. He's just a cool dude in general. It's, yeah, I just like him. He's fun. It's like um, transmasculine network activate. Yeah, basically. <laughs> <laughs> so good. So my my friend Mirami in chat says, I would support a Patreon for Compass Rose Productions, even without further content being available, just as a heads up, because I dislike money going through Twitch, but what y'all doing is great. So there are people yeah. who just want to give you that's their forry. money because All right. they uh, support you. We will and that's keep that in end mind. Of, end of sentence. <laughs> I, just, I just want to support I... you in general. <laughs> We'll get that sorted out then, because honestly, it would be great to have folks being able to follow us somewhere that money doesn't go to mm -hmm. companies we don't necessarily entirely support. Yeah. As a, <laughs> as a technical aside, I, if I understand it correctly, Ko-Fi, the platform, does not take a cut of donations. They make money correct. through their own Ko-Fi page. So if you wanted to support them, you could become a subscriber on their Ko-Fi or coffee or however you say it. There's still the, the processing fees that the other companies charge that they have to pass on. Yeah. But besides that, I think Patreon takes a larger percentage. Yeah, um, Patreon does take a larger percentage. I'm pretty lucky I had 
a Patreon creator account ages ago that I was vaguely setting up for a webcomic I was trying to get figured out. So I'm grandfathered in under the old rules still. Yeah, I'm um, also I'm also legacy. Oh, totally. my cats are fighting. Cats. They're, they're done. They're done fighting. We're good. This uh, later when you catch us that. live, you get to see cat cam. And right now, Never yeah. Kitty is doing a cute nap right next to me. So it's a great reason my to cats, catch us live. More um, <laughs> cats. This little blanket up behind me is where one of my cats likes to hang out, but only if I'm not streaming. She of also course. likes to be in my lap, but only if I'm not streaming. So I guess my cats have decided that if I'm streaming, I'm busy and can't play with them, which is both respectful and annoying. <laughs> totally. Yeah, I've been having uh, to train her to stay off the desk, but like her bed. So it's like the squirt bottles on the desk, but also the treats are on yeah. the desk. So it's very confusing. Yeah. It's like the yes <laughs> and the no are both on the desk. What's happening? And so mm-hmm. I just keep dumping food in her bed, hopefully, hoping she'll yeah. figure it out eventually. Keyboard it desk took a while. <laughs> yeah, it took a while, but I got the cats to stop jumping up onto my desk. I think one of them still does it when I'm asleep because he's a little shit, but I also love him. So I've got three cats. One of them is a 16 pound absolute monster of a cat. Average full grown cat size is 10 pounds. I apologize for those folks who use the much more sensible metric measuring system. I don't know it off the top of my head because for some reason, the United States refuses to teach us metric normally in school, even though we should definitely making bad choices some more. Yeah. So I don't know the metric version of 10 pounds and 16 pounds, but I've got Han, who is a 16 pound cat, and that is the size he is supposed to be. He's just a big, beefy boy. And then I've got Mission, who is this dainty little, I think she's a little over nine pounds now. She should be about eight. She's still a little chunky. She's been on a diet for a little over a year now. And she's a calico who her favorite hobby is screaming. She just walks around screaming all day long. And then we've got Tilly, who we didn't adopt her. She adopted us. She got dumped in our neighborhood with her siblings. I believe that they were an oopsie litter that someone had and couldn't get rid of and didn't want to take to the Humane Society. So they just dumped them in our neighborhood because we already had a lot of strays that were being taken care of by various neighbors. And she ended up in the alley behind our house. My partner saved her one night from the local stray bully who was attacking her. And then she hid out under my car the entire night. So when I went out to go to class that morning, she climbed up my leg onto my shoulder and started mashing her face against my cheek. And I ended up checking her over for fleas and ringworm and gave her to my partner to keep in the bedroom separate from the other cats until we could get her to a vet to check her for a chip and have her properly checked over by a professional. Because while I've worked with a lot of cats, I'm still not a professional. So yeah, we went over all of that. And now we have her. She's an awful little tuxedo bastard cat. (laughs) She just likes to cause problems and chew on my cords and crawl into the blackout curtains so that light gets into the bedroom while I'm trying to sleep. That sounds like cats. And I love her. Yeah. She's terrible and I love her so much. So those are my wonderful cats. Thank you for allowing me to ramble about them for a hot second. I know we all love cats here. Yes, Mouser is in the name. Gender, <laughs> Meowster. Gender and cats. That's our whole shtick. <laughs> We've got a big dog, too. He's very large for a yellow lab. 
he's also an old man. He has little baby cataracts in his eyes now, so we've been feeding him extra broccoli to help slow that down as much as we can. He's an old man, and I love him, and he sleeps a lot. That is super cute, and I love that. Okay, here's a question someone, not me, or you wrote. I've seen a push towards being two-spirit being at the beginning of LGBTQ+. Do you have any thoughts on that reordering? Honestly, this is going to sound weird. I don't care what order the letters are in. I don't. I generally don't use the anagram. The Is it an anagram? Is that right? Okay. Acronym. That's the one. I don't usually use the acronym much anyway. I prefer to use the word queer because... And this is going to be entirely separate from the whole two-spirit thing. Queer is more inclusive to me. I know that a lot of people do consider it a slur. And obviously, if someone says, hey, I don't like the word queer for me, I'm going to respect that. That's basic human decency. We should all be doing that. But I prefer not to use the whole acronym to SLGBTQIA+, because one, it's a whole lot of letters someone's going to get left out. Mm -hmm. Two, even if you remember all of the letters in the currently accepted acronym, which is always changing, yep. you're still going to leave someone out. <laughs> someone's always going to be left out. And the word queer, yes, it was used against us for a long time, but the community as a whole worked hard to reclaim it and make it a positive thing for us. And it is meant to be that catch-all everyone who is part of the community can consider themselves queer and find community in that word. And obviously I'm not saying, oh, if you don't like the word queer, you should really reconsider. I'm just saying it's, it is there for you if you are comfortable with it. And I can't say it's better or worse. I can just say that it's more inclusive, much more readily because the whole acronym is large and clunky, specifically when you say it. Typing it out, it's not quite as bad. But when you have to, when you have to say all of those letters in order, and you might miss some, and a lot of people don't like the plus at the end because it feels like we're leaving someone out, someone's always going to be left out. There's always someone whose identity is not going to be picked up by that whole acronym. Then there's the fact that there are a lot of intersex people who don't feel like they should be part of the acronym because they don't identify as being, you know, part of the community. A lot of intersex people do identify as being part of the community. It's, there's just so much to be contested in the acronym that I prefer not to use it. I honestly don't care where 2S goes in the acronym. It doesn't matter if it's at the end, at the beginning, somewhere in the middle. It doesn't matter as long as it is there for the people who do prefer to use the acronym. The order, I couldn't care less about the order. In my opinion, nobody in the order is more or less important. The order is not a ranking system. The order is just how to get it all out. Yeah, what you're saying totally makes sense to me. I just wish that in some of the spaces, like certain discords, don't like it when I use the word queer if I'm promoting something. Mm -hmm. So I'll get grumpy Moobot faces saying, we don't use that word around here. And I'm like, yeah. Hello, it's... tiny cishet robot. <laughs> Who wrote you? Yeah. Like... <laughs> so there's been this huge pushback against the word queer lately 
that is mostly heralded by the turf community. And I see this most prominently on Tumblr. Hmm. Turfs in particular, and the young people who don't realize that they're turfs, who get swept up into their nonsense, have started really pushing the idea that queer is a slur, queer is a slur. You can't use the word queer for anyone because it's a slur. And that's just historical revisionism, Mm -hmm. plain and simple. In the 70s and 80s, we worked, we being the community as it existed back then, worked so hard to find words that fit us. And queer was one of the big ones. It was the most inclusive way to get everybody into the group easily. And saying queer is a slur, it was. And yeah, sometimes you're still going to use it as a slur, but gay has been used as a slur. Lesbian has been used as a slur. Trans has been used as a slur. Mm -hmm. Everything we identify as has been used against us at some point. So it doesn't matter if it was a slur once or still gets used as a slur. If that's the word we want to use, we can use it and it doesn't have to be a slur anymore. Yep. Like everything, every word we have ever used to identify ourselves has been used as a slur. The word black in reference to the black community mm-hmm. is used as a slur still. Uh, Mexican can be said in a derisive enough way that it is a slur, but it's also the correct term. A Mexican is a Mexican. And there's never going to be a satisfying way to refer to people for everybody. So the best thing we can do, in my opinion, is for people who don't like to use the word queer for themselves to be okay with hearing it and seeing it Mm -hmm. in reference to other people. Because there are still other people on the other side of that who do like to use the word queer for themselves. And you can't look at somebody who also is part of the community and say, you can't call yourself that because that's gatekeeping and gatekeeping goes 100% against all of the values of the community, just flat out. So if I use the word queer when speaking to a whole group and somebody says, hey, I don't like the word queer personally for me, I'm going to adjust my language in that instance. But overall, I'm going to keep using queer to refer to the community. And if somebody doesn't like that word, I will adjust my language for them. But I'm not necessarily going to adjust my language for everyone else. Yeah. And talking about gatekeeping, that's, that's, my a word. Whole, that's a whole important thing as well, right? There's also gatekeeping in the neurodiverse community, which I know isn't our primary oh, topic yeah. today, but feels relevant. Making it people, sure is. Making people have to go get a diagnosis from a specialist in order to identify as neurodivergent is really very frustrating and harmful. It absolutely is. It drives me absolutely batty because when I say I'm autistic, I'm self-diagnosed autistic. I put years and years of research into what was going on in my head, how I you know, behave, how I process things to figure out what fit me the most. When I was a child, I was diagnosed as ADD back before it was only ADHD, because that's a fairly recent change. So I was diagnosed as ADD when I was a child, and I personally believe that is, okay, this is going to be a twofold thing. I believe that was a misdiagnosis, and I should have been diagnosed as autism, but I also Mm -hmm. believe that ADHD 
and autism are one spectrum. And I've talked about this extensively with a friend of mine who is currently working on her master's degree in psychology and who ended up writing her final paper for one of her classes about that thesis, that that theory that ADHD and autism are one spectrum because they overlap so, so heavily that there's no way they aren't deeply related. Yeah. But my wife wife and I talk about that all the time. Yeah. So I'm self-diagnosed autistic and like I said, I put years and years of research into it because nothing ever felt right to me. Mm-hmm. I felt like nobody was connecting with me properly or that I couldn't connect with them properly. And I wanted to understand why. So I have like half of a psychology degree somewhere that I ended up doing in my first attempt at university because I was trying to pursue why I feel that way. And Ultimately, I'm not sure I'm ever going to get a diagnosis. One, I can't afford to pursue it anyway. If I had the money, I would be pursuing other things first as it stands because right now my chronic pain is a bigger problem than my autistic diagnosis. And on top of that, a diagnosis may not actually help me. I don't need treatment. I've been able to cope pretty well, interact with people pretty well. I've developed my own mechanisms that are healthy over the years to get through life as an autistic person. Mm -hmm. So a diagnosis would open up treatment avenues for me, but I don't need treatment. And beyond that, a diagnosis, it would help me if I ever tried to go to university again, but I'm not sure that's going to happen. At this point, I've settled on that's just not the road that I need to go down. That's never going to work for me with the way our, our schools are set up. So what's the point in me getting a diagnosis? It's not going to get me any extra accessibility for anything I'm doing. It's expensive and I don't need treatment. So I don't want a diagnosis. I don't need a diagnosis. Diagnosis will only serve to harm me Mm -hmm. in the long run because it could prevent me from other avenues of life. It could affect things like If I ever, it's probably not going to happen, but if I ever try to get married, it could affect that. It could affect disability applications. It could have all kinds of negative ramifications for me that I don't want to fuss with. Having an autism diagnosis would negatively impact a disability application? That's news to me. I don't remember exactly how that works. Because my uneducated assumption is that it would help. (laughs) That the more disabilities you have listed on a piece of paper, the more likely Um, they are to give you disability. But anything that you can point out as being a mental thing, they're going to say, oh, that's the only reason that you think you have a physical disability. That's really gaslighting. It's, oh, absolutely. But that's how disability applications tend to work is they don't want to give you the money. They're going to do everything they can and tell you everything they can to keep you from getting the money. Because otherwise, you're just faking it so that you can live off of welfare. It's like, no, I can't hold down. I physically cannot hold down a job. I had to drop out of university and quit my robotics job, my actually really nice robotics job that I loved and was enjoying Mm -hmm. because I was getting sick so much and I was in so much physical pain all the time. And I quit that. I dropped out and quit right before the pandemic started. So I would have ended up having to quit anyway because of the pandemic. There was no way I was going to be able to continue school during the pandemic. And 
since then, my physical disability has only gotten worse. My hands hurt so bad some days that I cannot hold a pencil. And it's just this whole thing. But I know that the only way I'm ever going to get disability is if I go get a diagnosis for whatever is going on with me. And that's going to take months of testing, if not years, and then months to years of fighting for disability, especially in the state I live in, because that's always a state-by-state thing. And depending on your state, they may just make up whatever reason they can to not give you disability, because if you live in a Republican state, why would they want to help somebody who can't give them more money? Yeah. This is why universal basic income, universal health care are all extremely very important. Just give people what they need. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Fucking back to I, fuck capitalism. <laughs> like, and everything does boil down to capitalism. Because here's the big thing. Here's the huge thing. Racism, sexism, and general queerphobia and ableism are all tools that are used to keep capitalism as the thing that runs because the people who are in charge of it, the people who are running it, are none of those things. So if they can use that to keep us down, they will. And if we broke capitalism down, if we could get rid of it entirely, we would be in a much better place to actually actively properly remove racism and ableism and queerphobia and, and everything else from our lives and our society. Mm -hmm. That's right but they're propagated because they're tools of capitalism. That's right. Like, I'm not saying that they would disappear entirely if we weren't a capitalist society, but they would be a whole lot easier to fight. Yep. Okay. Pivoting again. Can you tell us a moment of gender euphoria? Oh, boy. Okay, so I've been on testosterone since early 2018, and I... It's hard for me to remember specific moments of gender euphoria because it's been a few years now and my memory's not the greatest. But I think one of the big ones was, okay, I've got two big ones. One of them was visiting my oldest brother and his wife and their kids for Thanksgiving one year. And my nibblings, I have, at this point I have four nieces. At the time, I only had two. Nice. So the two of them had made these little cards. Because of trans or because people had more babies? Because people had more babies. Okay, my brain is in. Because... Uh, no. My my oldest brother and, and his wife have four kids. And at the time, they only had the two. So these two little girls made me these cards. And it was shortly after I had come out. I had explained everything to my brother and his wife. I had taken a moment to try and explain everything to the girls as well, who were fairly young, but old enough to understand these concepts. So I wanted to uh, approach them as individuals with the ability to think, because that's what children are. And, and I explained it to them. And for Thanksgiving, they had each made cards for everyone in the family to celebrate the holiday. We're going to ignore the fact that I don't like Thanksgiving. I will celebrate it for my nieces because they're always excited about big family gatherings. That's how um, I feel about Christmas. And they wrote on the cards to Uncle Scotty. And it was, it got me. And he was the word yeah, uncle that I, got you? 
yeah it was the word uncle that got me and it's getting me again right now and and it's i'm really grateful to my brother and his wife for letting me because i wasn't sure how it was gonna go but for letting me be queer around my nibblings because and and I think this is the conclusion they came to in any discussion they had about it because it's really important for those kids to know that it doesn't matter who they are their family's still going to love and accept them and care for them and respect them and it's also really important for them to know that they have someone in their family who loves them and who they can always come to if they feel like maybe they're not actually girls. I'm just so glad that I get to be there for them and show them that if they end up feeling like they're queer, they can do that. And their parents are still going to love them. Their grandparents and great-grandparents are still going to love them. And their Uncle Scotty is obviously still going to love them. And then the other big one was a family wedding my cousin had. She she got married a couple years back. And uh, obviously it was a beautiful wedding, but a bunch of my family from Texas, the, the Mexican family is split up between a couple of states. Half of us live up here and half of us live in Texas. And the family from Texas came up north for the wedding and it was a whole big family reunion. And my tia Margaret, tia means aunt in Spanish. My tia Margaret, who is the matriarch of the family, she's 80 or 90 years old, I don't remember. She almost immediately started calling me home. And like, I knew that my mom and my grandparents, and if either my dad or my stepdad were still alive, they would have as well. I knew that they were going to immediately do their best to swap to my new pronouns and, and start calling me Scott and Scotty in my dead name. I wasn't sure how the rest of my family was going to feel about it because it had been so long since I'd seen the extended Mexican family. But her immediately using Mijo and everyone else in in the Texas group, all of my tias, just just immediately started using the correct pronouns and using my new name. And I that also got me right in my feels. Those have been my two biggest moments of gender euphoria is realizing that my family loves and accepts me. And when I say my family, specifically the family that I have chosen to continue considering family. I've got a very complicated relationship with the word family and the concept of blood and legal family because they're not always good. They're not always healthy. They're not always supportive and loving. But the Mexican side of my family, at least, is incredibly supportive and loving. And my extended, quote unquote, fake family, my stepdad's friends who he always called brother and sister despite having absolutely no blood relation they're they're also my family i have chosen to consider them family and continue considering them family well into my adulthood and they have been so loving and accepting and open and that's really been the biggest moment of gender euphoria for me is my family using my correct name and pronouns for the first time that each of them did that because th there's just been nothing more affirming for me than that. I love that so much. Duh. You're making Casey in the chat cry. <laughs> I'm making myself cry. It's beautiful. I love it. I love it so much. 
think I, I made my mom cry a few times too. She came with me the day that I had my court date to change my legal name. And mm -hmm. my legal name, I took, so I, I changed my last name to my mother's maiden name. And nice. I changed my first name to my dad's name. Scott was the first name that I tried on because I wanted a better connection with my father. He died when I was very young. So Scott was the first name that I tried on when I was really playing with the idea of having a new name. And it fit immediately. So the day that I changed my name, the day that we had my court date for that, I changed my entire name. I have five middle names. It's a whole thing. And my mom almost broke down in tears telling me how proud she was of me and how happy she was for me that I was finally getting to be me because Aww. I struggled with depression my entire life. Yeah. And a huge chunk of that was my gender just fucking with me Yeah, because I wasn't a girl. Mm -hmm. And, and <laughs> yeah. And so I've been just worlds happier. I cannot tell you how good it's been to accidentally medicate my depression with testosterone. Um, <laughs> literally relate. a week, a week <laughs> into starting HRT. Hard I was just like, that. I don't feel like shit today. Yeah. I actually, I'm, I'm actually happy today. Um, I wasn't expecting to medicate my depression with testosterone, but it sure did happen. And the, the further I've gotten into my transition, the more kind of trans kids I've adopted. And one of them started testosterone recently as well. And, and before he started testosterone, I'm like, okay, one of the side effects that you might notice that you won't be expecting is that your mood might just improve by bounds and leaps. Yeah. Because maybe one of the things your brain has been craving that you didn't realize you were craving yes, is testosterone. Exactly this. Exactly and now you're this. giving your brain that testosterone that you yeah. didn't know it needed because yeah. you weren't making enough of it yourself. That's right. And so suddenly your depression might be so much easier to manage. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's and, also true for trans feminine people, according to my oh, wife, yeah. who is a trans woman. Oh yeah. I've had a few I've had a few trans femme folks tell me that they had the same experience I did just when they started estrogen. Mm -hmm. This whole thing that people don't think about. They don't think about how your gender identity is so directly linked into your potential mental illnesses. Mm -hmm. If you're depressed and you realize that you might not be the gender that you were told you were, mm -hmm. starting to transition could fix that not necessarily fix it but make it easier to live with easier to manage mm -hmm. and it's just so fucking beautiful to to wake up in the morning and not have that little voice in the back of my head tell me that i'm awful mm -hmm. or that i shouldn't be here i don't feel that way anymore i don't i barely ever think those things anymore i can't remember the last time i did and I know that it's because I started testosterone because that was a very noticeable, tangible shift in my mood literally the week after my first injection. Completely. It took no time at all for it to just flip-flop from wildly depressed to, wow, I feel good. Yeah. So I said this in the very beginning, but anyone who's just swinging in now, I started HRT just shy of three months ago. And I can tell you my mood has also improved and my like ability to brain has improved. 
I still think I have yeah. ADHD and autism going on, and I would love to get on some <laughs> ADHD meds to try it out at least. But I feel like I'm more solidly a person now. Oh yeah, I'm on oh yeah, absolutely. It's just it it just makes you. It gives you. <sighs> Okay, so there's this whole thing with when a girl goes through a bad breakup, she cuts her hair or she rearranges all her furniture, she gets a new dye job or whatever. And there's a psychological phenomenon in there. When something bad has happened in your life, something that makes you feel like shit, you just want to take control of something else and change it, express your control over something. And it, it's a much more direct thing is taking control of your gender. Yeah. Like, <laughs> if you've been depressed your entire life and you've ever thought that you didn't want to be the gender that you were told you were when you were born, mm -hmm. taking control of your gender is probably going to help with that. And there's always the possibility that you're going to examine it and you're going to realize that you're not trans. But it's still so important to look at it because taking control of your gender doesn't necessarily mean that you have to start hormone therapy. It doesn't necessarily mean that you have to identify as something else. It can just mean that you've examined, if you're a man, you have examined what masculinity is for you and how you want to portray masculinity and what traditionally feminine traits you think should be part of your masculinity. That's what it is to take control of your gender is to decide what your gender means for you, even if you don't necessarily change your gender. Yeah. And just taking control of your gender can do so much for your mental well-being. It's just a good thing for everyone to do, frankly. All right. We are closing in on the end of my questions. So is there anything else you would like to make sure folks know about your perspective on gender and or non-binary and trans and two-spirit related issues? It's, there's so much that I could talk about. And if I get started on half of this stuff, we're going to be here for another two hours. But what it all boils down to is, yes, thank you, Kat. What it all boils down to is- your cat is, say trans rights? <laughs> no, my cat says, please feed me. She doesn't get fed <laughs> for another 40 minutes. What it all boils down to is what I said earlier. We're all still people. And we all deserve- a certain level of basic rights and respect and humanity from everyone around us, including especially ourselves. If you are struggling with your race because you're brown in an incredibly white and racist area, and you feel like it would all just be so much easier if you were white, on the one hand, yes, it would be easier if you were white, but then you wouldn't be, you would be someone else. Be gentle with yourself. Everyone who is struggling with anything, you should be gentle with yourself. You're gonna make mistakes and recovery from trauma, recovery from mental illness, recovery from being told you're the wrong gender your entire life. It's a long and hard road, but it's doable, it's possible. And you're not alone. And you can reach out to communities like like Meowsters or the Compass Rose community to find other people who have been through something similar. And my door is almost always open to talk to people who are trying to figure out what's going on in their head, why they feel the way they feel, how they should connect with their race, 
things like that because you have to be gentle with yourself and you're going to make mistakes, but nobody can do any of this alone. You can't handle this alone. Life isn't designed to be lived in isolation. You shouldn't be cutting yourself off from other people. If you're having a problem, you should reach out to other people. And not everybody who has had that problem is going to feel equipped to help you, but somebody will. There's always someone out there who can talk you through something, help you find, if you need a therapist, help you find the right therapist. You just have to find the right community and reach out to them and say, hey, this is what's going on with me. Can anyone listen for a little bit even or help with that? Because you're still a person. You still have thoughts and emotions and feelings. It doesn't matter what you look like or, or how you feel. You're still a person in there. And if you wouldn't look at somebody else and tell them that they're not doing enough, that they're not trying hard enough to be happy mm-hmm. when they're suffering from depression, why why would you tell yourself? That's right. Or if you would look at another trans person and, and you wouldn't tell them that they're not trans enough to be trans... Why would you tell yourself that? You're trans enough. Why would you ever give in to that? Yep. Um, you don't have to be on HRT. You don't have to change your name. You don't have yeah. different pronouns. You don't have to change your clothes. You are trans enough. Exactly. If yep. you feel like you might be trans, you're probably trans. And that's enough. It's that simple. Yep. And you should be gentle with yourself. For a lot of us, there's that voice in the back of our head that just tells us we're not good enough, we aren't actually whatever, we're just doing this for attention. And one of the things that I like to tell my friends when they speak up about that voice in the back of their head is that voice is nothing but a liar. Yeah. All that voice is doing is trying to make you bad about yourself. Yeah. And it is dysphoria. It's dysphoria in any number of directions because gender dysphoria is not the only kind of dysphoria out there. And it's a liar. It's a liar. You are not an inherently bad person. You are not just doing this for attention. You are not trying to trans your gender just for some attention. Who wants the kind of attention that we've historically gotten for being trans? None of us. We, we don't want to be villainized or treated with disgust. We want to be accepted and loved, but we also want to be us. And that's why we take steps to let the world know who we are so that we can reach out to the people who are going to treat us right and be accepted and loved. So don't let yourself talk yourself out of who you are. You should explore who you are, figure it out, and it's okay if that changes in the future. Be gentle with yourself. We all make mistakes. We all fuck up sometimes. But if you hold your mistakes against yourself, you're never going to move forward. Perfection is a lie. Perfection is a pipe dream. The only way that we as people can be anything close to perfect is if we try to be better than we were the day before. And that doesn't mean be better than you were the day before. I said try to be better. You try to keep growing and moving forward and reaching out to other people and helping other people. But it's okay if you mess up because everyone messes up. Recovery and and growth are never a straight line up. They're this big roller coaster of ups and downs and loop-de-loops where you're going backwards and forward. And it's this whole thing. And sometimes standing still is part of moving forward. 
Sometimes you have to stop and take stock before you can move forward again. And that's okay too. So just be gentle with yourself. And we sign off every week from Compass Rose with take care of each other. And this started because our first stream was right in the midst of the massive riots and protests about the murder of a black man last year in the middle of the pandemic. And I had this whole statement about where Compass Rose stood on that and what our political views were. And I ended it with, with stay safe, watch each other's backs, and take care of each other. And take care of each other, Casey ended up taking that and running with it and turning it into our weekly closing segment. So we close out every stream with just take care of each other. Mm-hmm. And I, as a person, my big motto is be gentle with yourself and take care of each other. Because if you're gentle with yourself, you're treating yourself with respect. Yeah. If you're taking care of other people, you're treating other people with respect. And that's the big core of, of everything is to treat yourself and everyone else with basic respect because we all deserve it. We do. We're all just people. And it doesn't matter, like I said, it doesn't matter where you are in your journey, where you are in life, what you're trying to figure out. If you just be gentle with yourself and treat other people with respect, take care of each other, you'll get where you want to be eventually. You will reach a point of stability and happiness. Even if right now it feels like that's never gonna happen, it is possible. I don't want to get wildly into it on this stream because it's my life experiences have been traumatic and can be very triggering for a lot of people. But I used to be in an incredibly dark place and I've been through a lot in my life that is not pleasant. And it felt back then like I was never going to get out of it. There was no hope. There was no light at the end of the tunnel. But there is. I just had to strike a match and make it myself, which wasn't easy. It was hard work, and I had to keep striking that match. But there was a light. I just had to make it. And I didn't have a whole lot of help in making it. But that's not going to be true for everyone. Not everyone is as isolated, especially now with the way social media has blown up. When I was a kid, social media was there. Facebook was just getting started. But I remember that. Yeah, but now social media is everywhere. Discord is an amazing program for connecting people. I love Discord. And it's so easy to connect with people. It's so easy to find someone who has been through something like what you've been through and say, hey, can I talk to you? Because right now everything feels hopeless. And they can say, I know that everything feels hopeless. You're not wrong that everything feels hopeless. It's perfectly understandable that you would think it feels hopeless, but it's not. It's hard work, but you can move forward and eventually you will reach a point where you are happier more days than you're not. And again, that's just how I want to live my life is expressing that to everyone around me, everyone who watches us stream every week, everyone who consumes anything I write or create. I want to exude that concept that it doesn't matter how hopeless things feel. They're not actually hopeless. You just have to 
be willing to put in the work and find the right people to help you put in the work. But it is your work in the end, no matter how hard it is. It's still possible. So yeah, that's that's that. <laughs> I love that. I do have a list of resources that I want to share. So I'll read the list. And then if you can think of anything that I forgot to write down, I'd love to have you add to the list. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. Someone in the chat mentioned a philosophy tube video on anarchy, which we got a little lady HD and wandered all we over sure the did. place. But we said fuck capitalism sure <laughs> many times. So that's fine. Fuck capitalism. Yes. There's also the, <laughs> the merch store for native and indigenous made crafts, like what you're wearing. And I'd love to get that link from you. There's oh, Compass Rose I Productions. Will, uh, I dropped that, yeah. the, the Twitch channel for that. I've got the upvoting the two-spirit tag on Twitch hyperlink for that. We've got Cypher of Tears Twitch channel so that folks can go watch Into the Motherlands, which is the BIPOC-created and led tabletop game on Twitch. We also have the invite to the Trans Community Center if you're looking for a community and you want to talk about trans identities and what it's like coming out, ask questions. Eventually, when you level up enough, share funny trans memes. That's a great space to do that. You will also get going live notifications for this talk show in that server as well as my server. Meowster's Discord server is also listed. And then the last resource that I have on this list is peer-to-peer.live which is a directory for diverse streamers based on identity. So Twitch has new tags that they just added. Peer2Peer.live actually vets the people in their directory. Twitch tags, anyone can use them. So if you want, like, and you can search by multiple identities at once. So peer-to-peer is still better. Twitch is catching up, but peer-to-peer is still better. Um, They didn't pay me to say that. I just think they're great. So (laughs) it's created by Trans Lifeline. It's made by trans people for... Uh, trans people and other diverse identities, including plural, which I think is really great. I also have the three tabletop games that we mentioned. Maybe I'll copy paste from above. So, Nawal. Nawal, excuse me. Coyote and Crow and Into the Motherlands. Is there any other resources you'd like to add to the list? This is going to be part and parcel with advertising Compass Rose Productions, honestly. We are, as part of a pride giveaway we're doing, we are encouraging people to donate as much or as little as they can or are willing to, to a handful of queer-focused charities across the world. We've got, and, and I can provide links for these as well, we've got the Trevor Project, obviously, here in the United States, which is just a crucial resource for queer youth especially with their suicide hotline. There's immigrant equality, which focuses really heavily on all aspects of immigration. That is also here in the United States, but primarily focuses on making sure that immigrants who are dark-skinned, queer, trans, disabled, get the same rights as other immigrants and get considered equally to other immigrants. There's the Native Youth Sexual Health Network here in the United States, which is a queer charity that focuses on Native American youth who are queer. There's the Urban Native Youth Association in Canada, which does roughly the same thing. There's the Equality Project in Australia, Transcend in Australia, and Transgender Victoria in Australia, which I don't know quite as much about because Logan is the one who provided those links, seeing as he is a trans Australian. But the Equality Project, I believe, focuses on all queer people throughout Australia. 
and transcend and transgender Victoria obviously focus on trans people in Australia and specifically in Victoria. We'll provide those links. If you want to participate in our giveaway, you do not have to donate in order to participate. Participating in the giveaway is completely free. All you do is fill out a Google form, but donating and providing us with whatever proof you want to provide, whether that's a screenshot of the email receipt or just the donation confirmation screen, I don't care. You send that to our Twitter, you send that to me on our Discord, and when we hit certain amounts of donations, I think I said 25, 50, and 100 total donations. And that includes if you donate to multiple of them, that's multiple donations. Is a different yes. entry into the thing? Yes. So if, so someone, if, you donate, if someone donated to all if you donate, seven of them, they yes. get seven things. Seven, yeah. They add seven donations into the uh, into the total in order for us to add extra prize pots. So you're not donating for extra chances to win. Everybody has one chance to win. Mm-hmm you're donating for extra prizes so that we can choose more winners. The prizes are split up into two groups. There's the grand prize, which is available to any entry. It doesn't matter where you are in the world. We have enough money to foot the bill for one shipment outside of North America. So we've decided that we should make it available to the grand prize specifically should be the one that we make available to everyone. If somebody within North America wins the grand prize, we're going to shunt that shipping onto one of the little prizes. So the grand prize is the uh, Colossal Philly Pride Dice set from Heartbeat Dice, one Pride Dice set of your choice from Heartbeat Dice based on their availability, and a Pride Dice Vault from Talon and Claw, again, based on their availability, as well as one of the games that Logan designed, Preparing for Paris. The little prize pots are going to be just one set of dice and a different game that Logan developed time after time. Oh, I just got that. I'm so excited to play it. I still haven't. Just sit on the couch with my wife and cry and feel tender (laughs) at each other for a little while. Yeah, that's fair. So (laughs) we're we're really excited to give away these prizes. Our base prize pots are one grand prize and two of the standard prizes. You can unlock through donating or follow subscribing to us on twitch joining us live if we ever hit 50 in any of our videos this month we will add an extra prize pot nice 50 viewers or yeah 50 viewers at one time at any any point in time during pride month Nice. or if we hit 100 total combined likes and views on the first free skies video on youtube we will add an extra pot uh prize pot so that's our big giveaway i'm sure you noticed but we're primarily focusing on the donations we're more worried about getting money to these queer organizations that really need it yep so that's how you will unlock most of the additional prize pots is by donating and telling us that you've donated so yeah you can find information about that on our twitter page which is just at compass rose pro or in our Discord server. We have, I think, a card link in our Twitter profile and on our Twitch page that you can follow to get links to all of our other social media, including our permanent Discord join link. And we would love to have any and all of you join our Discord and chat with us about anything. Obviously, we talk a lot about tabletop games. We talk a lot about Everyone Dice. And I will occasionally get going about the interactive novel I'm working on. 
which does have a demo out that we're rebuilding. And we also just talk about stuff. We just exist as queer people in this server full of queer people. So feel free to come hang out with us and share pet pictures. We have one channel that's just devoted to pet pictures. That's all that goes in there and discussion about our pets. I think it's everyone's favorite channel, which I'm not going to blame anyone for. It's the best <laughs> channel. So yeah. And if anybody has any questions about the giveaway, you can message me at Compass Pro or better yet, find me on Discord. Most servers that I'm in, I'm listed as either Scott or Scotty because my username is hard for people to find and recognize and pronounce. Because it's <laughs> awesome. It's great. There's some conflict over how to pronounce it. It's spelled X-O-C-H-I-C-O-Y-O-T-L. It's, I pronounce it Choshikoyoro. There are other people who will pronounce it Sochikoyoro. It just depends on how you pronounce that first part, which is derived from Choshito, which is the Nahuatl word for flower. Koyoto obviously is the Nahuatl word for coyote, which is where the name coyote originally came from, was Koyoto. So I'm the flower coyote, which dives heavily into my native spirituality, and I'm happy to talk about that with people upon occasion. But yeah, it's it, we just have a lot of good discussions in the Compass Rose server. Occasionally, we will critique people's tabletop like homebrew builds. We'll give opinions and thoughts on people's short stories, things like that. We just really like building community, even if it's not specifically about the things that we're making, we want to also lift other people up. You'll also find us promoting things like Coyote and Crow or, oh, what was it called? There's a native made comic book anthology on Kickstarter ending very soon that I'm really excited about and am backing a howl. That's what it's called. And it's all about wolves, werewolves, and Rougarou. So things like that will share into various channels in the server so that people can see them and, and find these cool queer and disabled and creations of color because we like yeah we want you all to pay attention to what we're making but we also want to uplift other voices like ours as much as we can because that's that. just really important supporting each other is just so important it's the only way we're ever going to get anywhere because the people who control media in the United States want to hold down these oppressed voices. They would rather you only listen to white stories or, or read white stories than build up these queer stories, these disabled stories, and these stories of color. So if we all build each other up, we'll have at least our support. Even if we may never hit the mainstream, we'll still be able to reach the people who need these stories. We just have to uplift each other. So we really like to promote those anytime we can. Yeah. I love it all. I love it all. And I have added, I have added the a howl to the list of resources as well. It's ending very soon. And it looks like they've super funded like, yeah, like they've, they've 14 gone hours. Well yeah, it's ending in 14, in 14 hours. hours. So yeah. if you're listening to the VOD later, it's too late, but you can probably find it somewhere else. Cool. Yeah, you'll still be able project. to find it on Kickstarter and find whatever's going on with it. I'm really excited about it. I wish I had the money right now to back for a physical copy, but all I can get at the moment is the digital copy, so that's what I'm going to get. And I'm just really stoked about it. I'm super stoked so about bad. it. It's it, it looks really cool. A lot of native writers and artists. It's going to be this very vibrant 
piece and I'm super stoked to read these stories. I love that. 